This woman has written over a hundred books. Now think about that. Some of you have not read a hundred books, okay? This woman has written over a hundred books. She has 75 million daily listeners to, to her radio show. And you would assume that this woman grew up in a strong Christian home, great godly background, incredible values, and yet this woman, by her own story, she started living an immoral life. She started living kind of the country club life. She wanted to have all the trappings of the world. She marries a baseball player and thought that was going to be kind of her ticket. Unfortunately, he had severe depression, manic depressive bipolar, and this baseball player, she divorced him when she was 29 years old. And um, during the time of this divorce, he calls her in the depression and said, uh, I am in severe depression. If we don't get back together, I'm going to kill myself. She said, go ahead. See what I, I don't care. And he hung himself that particular night. And Kay Arthur writes about her story, and she'll tell you, I know human rebellion. I know what it is to shake my fist at God. And Kay Arthur said, I said to hell with you, God. I'm not going to be a part of all this. And yet God said to Kay Arthur, to heaven with you, Kay. To heaven with you. Beth Moore's story is not a whole lot different. Beth Moore did have a very virtuous, godly mother. But Beth Moore also grew up in a home, a situation, a culture where she wanted to be very successful, very popular. She and her husband married very early. And she also talks about her immorality. And she talks about how they were on the brink of divorce and how, you know, her life was an amazing mess for years. Now, here's the question. How do two women like Kay Arthur and like Beth Moore, who are so far away from God and, and the will of God, how do they become these amazing living legends? How do they become these godly women who impact women, men, boys, girls? How, how do they do that? Well, the way they did that is they learned a particular tool. They learned a tool that changed their lives forever spiritually. And I want today to introduce that tool to you. Because if you want to grow, and if you have a great desire to grow, and I know all of you don't. Because I know it's Mother's Day, and some of you are here because it's Mother's Day. Some of you are here because mom asked you to come. And some of you are here because your wife asked you to come. So not everybody in the room wants to grow. But those of you that do want to grow, there is a tool that these two very rebellious, ungodly women employed, and all of a sudden, their lives began to change and grow and grow and grow and grow, and they have impacted their families and you and me and all, all kinds of people. So we've been talking about the last three weeks from Matthew chapter 4, we've been talking about three different subjects. Number one, we've been talking about temptations. And Tom did a super job three weeks ago, introduced to us temptations. We talked, let's put that on the screen. We talked about how we had, you know, all of a sudden we had signature sins. And Tom did a really good job explaining that all of us in this room have temptations. And there are some, some sins that we will have, we will be tempted all of our lives. Doesn't mean we'll give in to them, but we'll have those temptations all of our lives. Last week we talked about the tempter. And we talked about how he's called Satan, he's called Lucifer, he's called the adversary, he's called the accuser. He's real, he's dangerous, and he's an enemy. And that's what we talked about last week. What I'd like to introduce to you today is the tool. I want to talk about the tool that will help all of us to grow. But before we do that, 
Well, let's go back a little bit and look at these temptations that Jesus faced. Jesus faced real temptations from a real tempter. So Matthew chapter 4, here's verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Verse 2. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, I think the next three words are a little understated, don't you? He was hungry. Well, of course he was hungry. He hadn't eaten for 40 days. Verse 3 says this. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, I love that, if you are, then tell these stones to become bread. Now, the very first temptation was a physical temptation. It was physical. He was hungry. Take these stones and make them into bread. Now, this is what the enemy does to you and me. We all have physical needs. There's nothing wrong with the physical needs. But he tries to take the physical needs and get us to circumvent God's God's path. Now, think about all the temptations that come with food. The very first temptation involved food. Adam and Eve in the garden, I don't know if it was an apple, but it was a piece of fruit, and she comes to him, he comes to, him, to her and says, you know, it's pleasing to the eye, it's good. And so Eve, what? She saw that, she liked it, she embraced it. The very first temptation was food. Think about all the temptations there are with food. I eat about five times a day, okay? I face these temptations about five times a day. Do you? And you just think about this. So there's all kinds of physical temptations in your life. One of those would be food. Another is earning money. We have to earn money. We're supposed to work. We're supposed to have jobs. We're supposed to do all those kinds of things. And yet there's 101 ways to earn money inappropriately, to go about our work in an inappropriate fashion. We're supposed to populate the earth. Sex is a great thing. It's a good thing. Sex is within marriage. And yet anytime sex is outside of marriage, it circumvents God's plan, God's path, God's purposes for, for your life. And so you will have physical temptations. You will have them all the days of your life. Second temptation is a little bit different. Look at this next passage of scripture. Here's the second temptation. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. I really didn't notice that till this past week. You see, he's going to ask Jesus to jump. It's so much easier to get somebody to jump if they're already standing. And so Satan is asking Jesus to just just stay right here with me, just stand on the very edge of this. And so if Jesus was seated or sitting down, it's so much harder to get up to jump. But here's what he said. The devil took him to the holy city, and he had him stand on the highest point of the temple. Look at this. If you are the Son of God, there's those words again. If you are, throw yourself down, for it is written. Now here's Satan quoting Scripture. Satan is getting ready to quote Psalm 91. It is written, he will command, this is Satan telling Jesus this, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that your foot will not strike against a stone. Now, the the interesting part about this temptation is it's not physical. This temptation is spiritual. And what Satan wants Jesus to do is question the goodness of God. Maybe God really doesn't have your best interests in mind. It's exactly what happened in the garden. Satan comes to Eve, and he says to her, basically, you know, if you eat this fruit, you'll be like God, and God God doesn't want you to be like him. He doesn't want you to know all this. And so, ladies, Satan comes to you, and he gets you to try to question the goodness of God. If If God really loved you, there would be no breast cancer in your family, he he whispers. If if God really loved you, there would be no infertility in your family. 
If God really loved you, there wouldn't be any divorce in your family. And so Satan comes to you. It's not physical, this one. This one is a spiritual temptation to get you to doubt the goodness of God. Temptation number three, it's different altogether. Temptation number three is not physical, and it's not spiritual. Here's temptation number three. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain. I thought that was kind of interesting. He's up on a pinnacle, and now here he's on a very high mountain. Maybe he knows he's going to spend most of his time down under. I don't know, and he wants to stay up as long as he can. But anyway, high mountain. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their splendor. And what's he trying to do? All this I will give you, he said, if you just bow down and worship me. Now, this temptation is not physical. It's not spiritual. This temptation is psychological. This temptation is emotional. You see, Jesus, if you just bow down and worship me, I'll give you everything you can see, and you can take a shortcut. You don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to be flogged. You don't have to have all the sins of the world heaped upon you. If you'll just fall down, worship me, it's, a, it's an amazing shortcut. And so emotionally now, Satan is playing with Jesus' emotions. Now, ladies... Father's Day's coming, okay? We got our own set of issues. But would you agree that you struggle more emotionally than most men? That's a question. All seven of you agree to that. We got our own set of issues, and that's coming. But, but emotionally, Satan comes to you, and he, he brings up your shame. He brings up your pain. He brings up your guilt. He brings up all those things that you've done, and he just repeats them, and he accuses you over and over and over again. And in this particular case, he's trying to get Jesus to, he's messing with him psychologically to get him to take some kind of a shortcut. Well, look at how Jesus responds. Here's how Jesus responds. Jesus responds in a cool way to all four of these temptations. The first one is, take these stones, make them bread. It's physical. Here's what Jesus said. He said, by the way, he said, it is written. It is written. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Look at the next one. Second temptation, here's how he responds. It is also written. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Number three. The third time, the third temptation. Jesus said, away from me, Satan, for it is written. It is written. It is written every time. Notice what Jesus does. And notice what Satan does. Satan is going to get you in the wilderness. And see, when you're in the wilderness, ladies, that's when he's coming to you. He doesn't come to you in the garden. He doesn't come to you in your sweet spot. Satan always comes to you when there's been a miscarriage, when there's been a divorce, when there's been a betrayal, when there's been a hurt. Satan comes to you always in the wilderness. Why would he come to you in the garden? He comes to you when you're low. He comes to you when you're hurting. He always comes in the wilderness. And in the wilderness, he baits you and he casts doubt. You know, if you really are the son of God, if, if you are, I mean, let's see if you can do this. Take these stones and make, I mean, I don't know if you can do it or not, Jesus. Let's listen. He's baiting Jesus. And he always baits you physically, spiritually, and psychologically slash emotionally. You notice what else Satan does? He casts doubt. As he's baiting you, he wants you to doubt the goodness of God. But here's what Jesus does. Look at what Jesus did. Jesus doesn't discuss this with Satan. Jesus doesn't debate this with Satan. Jesus just uses Scripture. Hey, it is written. Hey, it is written. Hey, it is written. And every time, Jesus uses Scripture. Now, if K. Arthur and Beth Moore failed the physical 
the spiritual and the psychological test over and over and over and over again over here. And somehow they've become these incredible spiritual giants that write Bible studies and write Christian books that have helped so many of us, me included. What was their secret? It was the tool. It was the tool that they used, that they employed. And here's the tool. The tool is very simple. They take Scripture and they take prayer and they put them together. And Beth Moore and Kay Arthur have taught millions of people to just go through the Scriptures as you're reading the Bible and you pray through the Scriptures. So you're in the Psalms and there's something that speaks to your signature sin or there's something that speaks to your wilderness or there's something that speaks to your temptation. You pray about it. And the Word of God and the prayers of of God's Word, they then give you the strength to overcome. Now let me say this again. Everybody in the room has signature sins. I don't think those go away. I think you have that the rest of your life. It may be under control. That's great. But you have a proclivity and a propensity to kind of go off the rails somewhere, and you know that. Everybody already in the room knows their signature sin. And you've got a tempter who can't wait to get you into the wilderness. And he's waiting for that shoe to drop. He's waiting for that cannon to go off. He's waiting for you to slip and slide. And when you do, he's coming to you, coming to you, coming to you. So what do you do? Well, these two women, Kay Arthur and Beth Moore, they began to read the Scriptures and pray through the Scriptures. So let's say your signature sin is pride. Let's just say it's pride. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because you're too proud to admit it. But let's just, say, <laughs> let's just say your signature sin is pride, okay? Well, every time you see a verse that talks about pride, you pray through that. Every time you see a verse that talks about humility, you pray through that. And it's just, let's say that yours is greed. You're just wrestling with greed. Oh, my gosh, I'm struggling with greed. Every time you see these verses of Scripture, it could be in Timothy or it could be in Exodus. It doesn't matter where it is. God's Word will give you the strength. So I want to give you for just a couple minutes an example of how Beth Moore and how Kay Arthur and really Stormy O'Martian, if you've read Stormy O'Martian books too, Power of Praying Mom, Power of Praying Husband, Power of Praying Wife. I can't say all those P words. Anyway, power. you'll know she does exactly the same thing. And Stormy O'Martian's story is kind of just like Beth Moore and just like Kay Arthur's. So let me give you some examples. Just sit back, relax, and just look at the screens. Okay? Everybody good? All right, here we go. Let's just look at an example here about pride. Again, you don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to admit this. But let's say pride's your signature sin. And you're reading through Psalm, the Psalms. And you come to Psalm 10. Father, according to your word, in his pride, the wicked does not seek you. In all his thoughts, there's no room for you. Please help me to always make room in my thoughts for you, God. Don't allow me to continue on in pride that stops me from seeking you. Do you think God's going to answer that prayer? Do you think if you're struggling with pride, you're going to walk out of that room being proud and prideful? There's no way. Do you ever wonder, am I praying in the will of God? Every time you pray Scripture, you're always praying in the will of God. When you're praying Scripture, you're never outside the will of God. Right? Look at the next one on pride. My faithful father, you're reading the Proverbs. You've warned me that when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But humility, but with humility comes wisdom. Well, let's say we've got another issue. Look at the next one. We've got some addictions. Could be alcohol, could be drugs, could be sexual. Doesn't matter what it is. It's just an addiction issue. Look at, you're reading Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. 
Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Do you think he's going to, is God going to ignore that prayer? I mean, if Kay Arthur can say, I know human rebellion, to hell with you, God, and God says to her, to heaven with you, do you think he's going to answer that prayer? Well, of course he is. Look at the next one. Let's say, Father, I think I'm reading through the book of Romans. I thank you in advance that I am going to be set free from all this sin, and I can become a slave to you, reaping glorious benefits that lead to holiness. Another issue might be unforgiveness. We struggle with that. Christians struggle with the bitterness and unforgiveness. And maybe you're having a really hard time, but you're going through, and you're coming to the book of Colossians, and you're just reading through the book of Colossians. Lord God, empower me to bear with others and forgive whatever grievances I may have against another. Help me to forgive as you, Lord, have forgiven me. Let's look at another one. Maybe it's a sexual temptation. I said in first service, I said, does anybody have any sexual temptations? And one guy said, amen, brother. Brought the house down in first service. And it, 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 I'm not going to ask that question in second service. I learned I learn from my mistakes, okay? And you're reading through the book of 1 Corinthians. <laughs> I hope he's single. I hope his wife wasn't sitting next to him. You're reading the book of 1 Corinthians. He says, I know, Lord, that my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in me, whom I have received from you. I am not my own. I was bought at a price. Therefore, I desire to honor you, God, with my body. Think he's going to answer that prayer? Let's look at another one with sexual temptation. You're reading through Romans again, Romans chapter 6. Thanks be to you, my God, that though I used to be a slave to sin, I am wholeheartedly choosing to obey your word. I am being set free from sin and becoming a slave to righteousness. Let's look at a couple more. Now, this isn't necessarily a signature sin. It's more of a feeling and an emotion. But if you don't deal with this, it could lead to your signature sin. It could lead to a wilderness. Maybe you feel unloved. Oh, God, help me to meditate on your unfailing love, Psalm 48. Help me not to have the sin of unbelief after all you've done to tell me you love me and you demonstrate your love for me. So again, ladies, if you're feeling like, gosh, I don't know if he loves me. Did he leave me hanging? Did he love my neighbor, my sister? But I don't know if he loves me. You, you go through the scriptures and you see over and over and over again where he says how much he loves you. The next one, maybe, maybe rejection is a struggle for you. Maybe somebody rejected you and you still feel the pain of rejection. Lord, I'm so grateful to be one of your chosen people, part of your royal priesthood, a holy nation of people belonging to you, God, that I may declare the praises of you who are called me out of darkness into your wonderful life. You're just reading 1 Peter. You're just going through the book of 1 Peter, and you see a verse that speaks to your heart and to your needs. Look at the next one. Guilt. Um, this plagues us, even though Jesus has buried our sins. Even though Jesus has removed them and forgiven them, this one plagues all of us in the room. And you're reading through Psalm 51, and you see this is talking about King David. And King David knew he blew it with Bathsheba and Uriah. Father, I thank you that you've had mercy on me according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, you blot out my sins. You can wash away all my iniquity, and you can cleanse me from my sin, and you can create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Do you think God's going to just walk away from that prayer? There's no way in heaven or hell he's going to walk away from that. He's going to honor that prayer. He's rushing. He's rushing to answer that prayer. Look at another couple. Despair. Maybe you're, you struggle with despair. 
You say to me, Lord, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that your power may rest on me. You're just reading the book of 2 Corinthians. Another one, depression. Men do get depressed, but again, in my experience, ladies tend to be more, get more depressed or have, suffer, I've got to be careful how I say this, suffer with depression a little bit more than most men do. You're reading through the book of Romans. Lord, you are the God of hope. Fill me with all joy and peace as I trust in you so that I may overflow with hope by the power of your Holy Spirit. This is a prayer for hope. I need you to fill me with hope. I'm in a desert. I need hope. Look at the next couple here. Maybe, maybe you're going to have to overcome the enemy. I, I want to, before I read that one, I just want to tell you this. I, I asked Danita last night. We were in the living room, and I was studying, and she was reading. And I said, because she's actually the one that taught me this. It's kind of humbling to have your wife, you know, lead you and teach you something. It was cool. But she said, she actually is the one who introduced this to me. And I said, when, when did you start doing this? About 17 years ago, when Emily was about two and a half or three. And I can remember her talking about this. It only took me about five years to understand this tool, okay? I hope you can get it in 25 minutes. But we've been doing that now for several years. And it's flat changed our life. Maybe, maybe you need some help today to overcome the enemy. Lord God, you are the great I am. You're just reading through the book of Exodus. This is your name forever. My enemy cannot begin to stand against you. Look at another one about overcoming the enemy. Your right hand, O oh God, is majestic in power. Your right hand, O oh Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you will throw down those who oppose you. You will unleash your burning anger. It will consume them like stubble. You're in a battle. You're in a street fight. The gloves are off. Would you not want to pray these prayers for your children? See, these are the prayers that change your family. These are the prayers that change your legacy. These are the prayers that change your destiny. One more. I trust in you, Lord, so I'll let you rescue me. Teach me to rejoice in you and deliver me, O oh God. You're just reading through the Psalms. And so Beth Moore and Kay Arthur and Stormy O'Martian, they write on how to do this. Go buy one of these books. just called Praying God's Word. And at first it's the training wheels. But eventually you'll take the training wheels off and you'll just go through and you'll, you'll pray the scriptures as you're reading them. I, I want to close with a short story from Beth Moore. And um, it comes from her book called Praying God's Word. And here's what Beth Moore said. You might also be interested to know that I was a successful, popular, well-dressed, well-groomed student working very hard to appear that I had it all together. I believe Satan saw a young woman in her early 30s whose heart was a shattered piece of glass still holding itself together. It just needed a good nudge to come crashing to the floor. He broke me, all right. But God brought biblical brokenness from those shattered pieces and humility from my humiliation. God lovingly came to me in my heap of despair and disaster and seemed to kiss the elbows and the knees I had scraped in the fall. He said to my heart what I'll try to put into words. My child, if you're really going to do this thing, you're going to have to give me unhindered access. Now, I like that phrase. Child, you're really going to do this thing, you're going to have to give me unhindered access to your entire heart, mind, soul, and body. Wholeness will come to you when you've given yourself to me wholly and let me fill every empty place in your life. 
Now you've learned what Satan can do. Are you ready to learn how to stand and fight? And that was my crash course in spiritual warfare. And I hope so much, she writes, that you might be able to learn from my experience rather than one of your own. Satan is in a huff because he was hoping that I'd be too embarrassed to share this. He was wrong. If my story can help you, it's worth whatever discouraging thoughts you might have and disparaging thoughts you might have of me. You see, as much as I wish my testimony could be defeat, followed by salvation, followed by consistent victory, it's not. I love her heart on this. Listen to this next line. She said, my testimony is salvation, confusion, misery, defeat, success, more defeat, unmitigated failure, then victory. In essence, my testimony is that there is life after failure, abundant life, effective, spirit-filled life for those who are willing to repent and to work hard. I have a feeling that somebody needed to hear that. Yes, she said, God can still use all of us. If you're female right now, would you please stand up? Would all the females in the room, 12 to 112, I don't care how old you are, kids, no kids. If you're female, and by the way, you're 51% of the population, so guys, we're losing on this deal. We're losing. They're ahead of us in many ways. But I, I, I want to just have a, a pastoral prayer over you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God has so much in store for you. You are relational to the core. He's made you unique. And he wants you to be victorious. He wants you to learn how to stand and fight because you're going to have to fight for your family. You're going to have to fight for your, for your faith. You're going to have to learn to take off the gloves and fight with Scripture and prayer and prayer and Scripture. And I want to pray for you at this time. Oh, almighty God, these ladies are fearfully and wonderfully made. And the enemy wants to drag them down when they go into the wilderness. They don't stay in the wilderness, but Satan will try to drag them down during those times. Give them victory. Give them courage. Give them strength. Father, there are temptations. There is a tempter, but there is a tool that gives them teeth. There's a tool that gives them leverage. There's a tool that gives them strength. There's a tool that gets them out of the wilderness and onto the path of victory. And God, I'm asking that every woman in this room will have the will to fight and the will to lean in and the will to love you with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Father, anoint them, bless them, protect them. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Men, will you stand? Will you join them? And I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come down front. And the place to always begin is with Christ. It's always the first step. If you've never given your life to Jesus, he is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He's the ruler of this whole world. And he's worthy. He never gave in during the wilderness. He never succumbed to temptation. He is your Lord and your Savior. And he's worthy. He's worthy of all our worship and all our honor. And if you've never given your life to him, you start with Christ and he cleanses you from your sin and all your unrighteousness. Maybe today you're struggling. Maybe today 
you need some special help. Maybe today there is a signature sin that you're just, you're, you're losing. You're losing the battle with. Or maybe it's not even that. Maybe it's, you just want some help and you just want to teach me how to use this tool and, and, and to be able to use this well. Come down front. Let them pray for you. Let them pray over you today in a great way. Lord Jesus, dismiss us in peace in your name. Amen.